Welcome to the South Florida M&A Advisors Podcast, your trusted M&A team. Here's your host, Russell Cohen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the South Florida M&A Advisors Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Wolf, joined by your host, Russell Cohen. Russell, good to see you again. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, man. So we were talking about your the biggest sale in South Florida M&A Advisors history, a $100 million deal with a roofing company that closed recently. Again, congratulations on that. Thank you. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about that because there's so many different components to a deal like that. And there's so many different factors that go into it, one of which is networking capital. So why don't you start off by giving kind of an overview of what that is for people like me that don't even really necessarily know what that term means. And then we can sure. get into how that posts challenges throughout that, that process of that sale. So the basic definition of networking capital is if you go on a, a business balance sheet, you got the current assets and the current liabilities. So the current assets minus the current liabilities will give you a, a, a networking capital. So what a private equity group will do is they'll go back 12 to 18 months, assuming if a business has consistent um, sales and EBITDA, uh, they'll go back 12 to 18 months and get an average of networking capital. Uh, if if a company is on a hockey stick growth, then they're going to take a very close look at the last three to six months, and and they're going to look for an established <laughs> capital. Now, so the, the networking capital is probably one of the biggest deal killers in an M&A transaction. Uh, your advisor needs to be bringing this definition and explaining to you networking capital on the first meeting, because basically what you're doing is you're 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 getting a great multiple of your EBITDA, but you're leaving money behind to run the machine. You know, a business owner builds this monster of a company and it's a machine and, and it needs money to function, uh, you know, for the, for the private equity group or family office or the private company that buys it. So they're going to give you great, great multiple, but you got to leave money, money or accounts receivable uh, behind to fuel the payroll, to fuel the overhead. Uh you know, because you're, they're they're buying a pipeline, but they got it. They got it. They're not going to front your expenses. They're not going to let you get a great multiple, and then you take your AR and and run run out the door. So so basically, so what happens here is if you are um, want a larger type buyer, the quicker you grasp a networking capital, then the more likelihood you can get to the closing table. Um, so I bring it up upfront. And it's very important that we calculate the networking capital early before we find a buyer. And it's important that you calculate the networking capital while you're in the quality of earnings. And it's going to get calculated at the end of the deal. So if we're doing it three times along in that process, when the private equity group or the buyer comes up with the networking capital, you're not surprised because you've been educated. So that is very, very important. And sometimes you could have your CPA do the networking capital analysis. And if your CPA is not interested in being there by your side, we work with CF, uh, fractional CFOs that will hold your hand through the entire process of from the accounting side and make sure your business is PE ready. So networking capital, the quicker that the business owner takes on that, that definition and understands the process, the better chance they will get that major payout six to 12 months later. So is there 
kind of like a standard amount. I know you mentioned sometimes you can go back 12 months, 18 months. Sometimes if there's a hockey stick growth, they'll take it for three months. It seems yeah. to me like you'll get obviously get a better um, picture of the, the the state of the business over a longer period of time. Is there a standard that you typically apply to take the, those points of networking capital throughout the uh, yeah, the I mean, yeah, most most companies will do twelve to eighteen months. Most companies are not on a hockey stick growth; they're more likely stable, or sometimes it's declining, which is not a good trend uh, <laughs> when you're trying to sell your business. Um, so, so then, yeah, then so when we are, you know, if we go into the the roofing deal, you know, we were dealing with a hockey stick growth, right? It was going from a thirteen million EBITDA to a $20 million EBITDA. And, and, and so, you know, looking back, that discussion was not, was not done in the beginning. It was not done in the middle. It was done at the end. And, and we had a major challenge because the private equity group did their calculations and they had a lot higher working capital versus what the seller thought. And it ended up being, there was something on the balance sheet that caused the networking capital requirements to be calculated higher. So this could have been avoided if we took the, if at that time took the approach to do it early in the middle, instead of waiting to the end of the deal. And it created a lot of instability in the transaction and it almost blew up the transaction. Uh, there was, you know, sell, you're trying to avoid seller frustration. Uh, that's, that's the goal. Uh, so in this case, we were able to work it out. But it, you know it was unneeded stress by by all parties, unfortunately. So was there any reason why you didn't do those calculations earlier on in the, in the deal? Uh, you know, I was not personally running the deal. I was leaning on uh, my M and A associate, um, and he's brilliant. Um, and for some reason, uh, he he did not he did not do the beginning middle part of the networking capital. So going forward, as I run my own deals. Or I partner with, uh, you know, my other M&A associates. Um, I've made it. Uh, now that I experienced it, now yeah. I bring, I try to bring in the fractional CFO very early, um, because typically the the spouse or the CPA a spouse it's over the spouse's head when when we start talking that because they're not uh, they're not QuickBooks Pro advisors. They're not a, a CPA or high end accounting person. Uh, they're doing the books and they're getting their way through, but they're not an expert. They don't have 75,000 hours of accounting to become an expert. So so, it, so I try to uh, recommend to the sellers to bring in the fractional CFO. They will clean up. They will start working on the networking capital analysis. And then as they get into the QuickBooks or the Sage books, they start seeing issues in the books. Yeah. And, and the, the CFO would then say, you're really not private equity ready for the eyes of private equity because sometimes in a larger deal, they got to be gap accounting. Okay. And none of these small businesses are, are based on gap accounting. So we're trying to get it to as very close to gap accounting as possible. And so when the CFO gets into the books, they see, they go into their general ledger and they, they see some funkiness and they start correcting it. And once we can get everything corrected, now we can do the networking capital analysis and educate the owner on what, how much money they're gonna leave behind based on today. And, and once again, we get to the quality of earnings, but you know, the, the, the uh, accounting firm, the Q of E firm will do the same. 
and we'll do the same. And at the end of the deal, everyone does the calculation and it becomes part of part of a contract. But there is always a paragraph in the letter of intent that talks about networking capital. So it's brought up early. It's in the LOI and we need to address it early to get to the finish line. Yeah, I think this speaks to the fact that every business is different, right? There's no two that are the same. So when engaging in a deal like this, there are going to be so many different factors to address and there's going to be a lot of curveballs that are thrown up. There's no there's no textbook blueprint on how to handle the perfect deal because every business is different. So yep. it is a learning process like with anything else. And you go through this, issues come up, you figure out how to fix them. And then moving forward, you apply that. That's how you become a master at your craft, right? Through practice, through trial and error and sure. just continuing to grow and getting better. So it seems like you're doing that beautifully, brother. Yeah. And, and, you know, bottom line is if a business owner who spent all the years building their business and they want to dance in the multiples of private equity, um, they have to, you know, these are professional buyers. They know they do this on a daily basis. The business owner does not. That's why they're hiring an advisor like myself, but they have to address this particular point. Um, and the quicker they believe in it, support it, is when they get that great payday. And it's a great payday, no doubt. Uh, and if you build a great company, multiples multiples can be four, five, six, seven, eight, eight X, you know, of your EBITDA. Those are those are generational numbers, you know, generational retirement. I was just writing that down. I love that. Dance in the multiples of private equity. Yeah. Is that is that your is that original to you? Yeah, that's that what I'm saying. Yeah, I, didn't copy I, 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 I love that dance in the multiples of private equity. I had to write that down. <laughs> that's good stuff, man. All right, uh, cool, man. I think we'll, I think we'll end this segment there. A lot more to talk about. Uh, like you said, there's so many different components to this deal, so I'm sure we could pick up some other things in future segments. Anything else you wanted to to share about that topic? Uh, no, I think we had a, a good basis of that, and uh, and it's it's uh, it's something that a business owner will have to, if they want to exit, they need to be embracing that concept. All right, Russell, sounds good. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we will catch you all next time. Everyone take care. Thanks for listening to the South Florida M&A Advisors Podcast. For more information, visit SouthFloridaMA.com or contact 954-646-7651.